0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringer's Gambling Podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and you're not going to believe this, but it is hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta, and they break down every conceivable gambling thing you would ever want to gamble on. They even take you to Captain Morgan's Make-Believe Casino where Sal makes up props on, on all kinds of things, sports, pop culture, you name it. You are going to want
1: to get your gambling advice from these guys.
0: Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS podcast for the last 10
1: years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to GM Street. I'm Tate Frazier, and I'm sitting across Mr. Mike Lombardi on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. How you doing?
0: Yeah, beautiful in LA. I, you know, Tate. I got to be honest. I'm not. I'm not well. I, I've I've watched a lot of. What Are you sick or something? No, oh, I'm okay. sick to my stomach because I've watched a lot of Foltz's clips here in the mm-hmm. first two games of the Sixers preseason or three games. I'm depressed. You should be. I'm really depressed. Any
1: player that comes out and says that he is uh, mirroring his free throw shooting after Shaquille O'Neal, the great Shaq, the Shaqtus, the Big Aristotle. That's probably uh, cause for concern. I would say.
0: What what really upsets me besides the free throws is. Like, he's the first pick in the draft, the first overall pick we traded assets, and he doesn't play above the rim. Like, he doesn't uh, play—now, I know he's not, you know, 6'11 and all that, but, you know, we could have had Lonzo Ball. I mean, come on, really, seriously. I'm depressed. It's going to be a long winter. I really—now, I love Simmons. I love that, and Abid gets a new contract. I'm happy there. But, man, oh, Lord, I'm not happy about this.
1: Fultz has one of the syndromes, what I call it, you're, you're fat, skinny. It's kind of like what Carmelo Anthony is a little bit, Jabari Parker. I like, can see they're, that. They're guys that are – they play a lot of sports, so therefore they stay in shape. But if they weren't playing sports, they'd be a little chubby. And – it's it, it, some people say it's round face, you know, but it's just you know. I have a fat
0: face. I'm, I'm a, not in I'm shape.
1: A, I was the same way. Like when I played sports, I was really in shape, and then now look at me. I'm just slowly falling All apart. All right, let's talk
0: football, eyes. so I don't have to be depressed. Yeah, anymore. well,
1: if you thought this was the Ringer NBA show, you were wrong because this is GM Street, and uh, we had some some big developments last night. Monday Night Football happens. That was a great game. We get tied at seventeen. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, that was a little sarcasm, folks. Uh, we're uh, here to have fun. But uh, uh, 2017 win for the Vikings. Uh, we're gonna get into the John Fox Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> era a little bit later. In the show, um, but let's start off with our favorite Bill Wash uh segment. If we're all thinking alike, no one is thinking. And first up, a lot of people are thinking of the New York Giants, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what's next for those guys and what's next for Eli. But uh, you have some thoughts on them. Uh, on Look, them I, I think
0: the Giants should, if you're John Mara and you're uh, the Tish family, I think you have a meeting now and you basically say, Look, we're 0 5. We need to get something out of the season. And the playoffs aren't realistic, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to go to the playoffs. You're not going to – but you got to find out some answers. And I, and I would really start the rebuilding process. Now, they got to take emotion out of the decision. I know they love Eli. I know Eli's been responsible for two Super Bowls victories for them in their in their trophy case. But I think the time is now to move forward, and they have to. I would trade Eli. Everybody's talking about trade him to Jacksonville. If Jacksonville will trade for him, I mean, I would do something. I would trade every player on my roster right now before the deadline to get an asset back, whether the asset is cap room in Eli's case or whether it's just a later pick, so that I could start rebuilding this team for the future. Now you say, well, maybe Jerry Reese won't be there. I don't really care who's there. I know we need to start this because here's what's going to happen. You can't use the next 11 games. we got to go into Denver. Mm -hmm. All right? If we – going to lose in Denver, probably, I would suspect. They play good at home. It's going to be hard to throw the ball, hard to block them. You know, the team tends to lose its focus. The coaches you know, in the hot seat. You need to stand in there. Remember this, Tate. Fear does the work of reason. And Mm -hmm. if there's no fear in the players, you can't reason with them. And the only way you're going to bring fear in them now is by changing the roster.
1: And when you look at that roster, you were talking about a trade. Obviously, the NFL is not known for making many midseason major moves or blockbuster moves by any case. But I try to find teams and fits for for guys that really need a veteran quarterback that have a defense and one of those teams we watched last night and that's the Minnesota Vikings, a, a team that Sam Bradford does not look like he's going to be the guy, even though you know early against the Saints he did. <clears throat> Case Keenum, you know he's comp- he's competent, he can, he can make right can competent. competent,
0: he's better, to, one of the better backups in the league. When you look at when you watch Matt Castle play, you think, God, if we'd had Case Keenum, we could be a lot better because Matt Bat- Castle's a bad backup.
1: Absolutely, but let's talk about a guy like it's a starter. We talk about Eli Manning. And a team that's done this before, we saw the Vikings make the Brett Favre run when, you know 2008-2009 range. What if they were to say, hey, we have the defense in place to win titles, to win a championship. Why don't we trade a guy like a Riley Reif who is a, an offensive lineman we just brought in to New York who gets a, a now a left tackle for a young guy like Davis Webb. That would be
0: way too much to pay for Eli. They would never trade Reef. It would cost too much to do that because the reality of it is they just signed him and the acceleration of the cap and the signing bonus, that would be too hard to do. They would Let's face it, anybody who takes Eli off your hands is doing you a favor because he, you're taking away the cap room. OK, so you're taking away the cap room and taking away the cat hit and you get it accelerated in this year's. If the Giants, I mean, it goes down to Kerry Wynn, who's not going to be on the team next year. Shane Varine trade him. To me, I'm going to be a player at the trade deadline if I'm the Giants and I'll trade him anywhere. The Vikings, I don't think it's a good fit because Bridgewater eventually will come back. I don't think he's going to come back very soon, but he could come back. He comes off PUP. Case Keenum's actually playing better than Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. So why would I trade for Eli if Case Keenum's playing better for him? And then you got to deal with the Sam Sam Bradford thing, which to me Sam Bradford is a little bit like unless he's perfect don't play him.
1: Yeah. It's one of those weird things where I'm just trying to find a home for Eli. I just want Eli to go somewhere where he can I, actually have a chance to do something. I I I want him to be the new Favre, is what I'm saying.
0: Uh, you know, you know, look, he really, I mean, I don't know how long Mariota's going to be out or there's a lot of places he could go to to fill the role. The Giants just have to stop being so uh emotionally in their decision making. They mm-hmm. have to realize where they are right now. They're 0 and 5. The New York Jets are 3 and 2. Nobody if you would have played that parlay, you wouldn't have to work anymore, right?
1: I, I mean, wouldn't be here right now. No, if you I did wouldn't that, be. Yes. No, you
0: wouldn't be. You would be with your Quentin Copel's jersey somewhere else. <laughs> but the fact remains is, look, you have to start the rebuilding, and the sooner you do it, and your neighbors in New York, the Jets, waited a year too long to do it. They won ten games two years ago, mm-hmm. and you thought, and they thought they were really close, and all of a sudden they're not. Now they're rebuilding, and they're three and two. Good move, right? So you can do it during the season. It's hard to do, but why not take the approach that baseball does and just. Let's just start this thing over and then put the onus on the coach. Hey, look, I don't know if you're going to be here, but we're going to evaluate how you coach for the next 11 games. And if you can do something good and it doesn't have to be translated into wins, if you can keep the team together and we can get some focus and we can basically recreate this team, then we could move forward. But to me, you can't let these 11 games go and Davis Webb sitting on the bench. and You don't know whether you have a quarterback or not. You got to play them. like you got to play them.
1: Yeah, you hear that Rooney Mara, Kate Mara, get in there, tell your granddad, tell him that you need Davis Webb to get in there and start playing. But they
0: need they need to find out about play The one thing you don't want to do is go in the offseason, not sure. Do mm-hmm. we have a player, do we not? Because, look,
1: a lot of teams need quarterbacks. And that's right, and that's a lot of people right now are thinking that there's only a few teams, like four or five teams that need quarterbacks, and we're not thinking that way, Lombardi. On this show on GM Street, you're no. thinking that they're at least, what, you're saying 12, 13 teams that still I, need a quarterback? I think that, you know, and
0: I didn't count Cincinnati because the, the, Andy Dalton is survived by the fact that he's just good enough that, that they won't look, they can't replace him. AJ McCarron, look, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you have AJ McCarron and you know there's 14 teams that need quarterbacks next year, you better hold on to them. You're the same thing with the Patriots. Everybody's talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Why wouldn't they trade him? Well, now it comes out Tom Brady played last week with a bad shoulder. He looked bad. he looked hurt last week against the Bucks. He really did. In the first quarter, I thought he hurt his shoulder. He looked like that's not the same guy. Now he missed practice today, getting ready for the game. So, you know, you got to worry about that. They got McCarran there. I mean, the teams that have two quarterbacks – Kansas City has two quarterbacks. Here's Alex Smith. Alex Smith's going to make a fortune. Kirk Cousins, what do you think he's going to make next offseason with all these teams? He's already
1: making a fortune,
0: unfortunately. The 49ers, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Saints, that's the other team. The Cardinals should stop doing everything in their power to think they're going to be in this thing, and they should start rebuilding for next year. But there's so many teams. The Browns, I tweeted this out today. This is remarkable. The Browns, the two picks that Carson Wentz went for, and Carson and Deshaun Watson, those picks were cle- originally from the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Think about that. The Wentz pick was a Browns original pick. Mm-hmm. The 12th pick in the draft, Cleveland traded for Houston. Yep. So you're looking for a quarterback, and you traded two of the guys who are in the top five of QBR this year right now.
1: That's a weird place to be in if you're a Cleveland Browns fan. I, I mean, I feel, We're, and we're and just going to keep even, bringing this and up. And that
0: doesn't count Trubisky. That doesn't count. And you know who's number two? Who's that? Dak Prescott, who you picked Cody Kessler for, okay? So, like, to me, this is, like, the problem. So, all these teams need quarterbacks. We didn't talk about the Chargers. They need a quarter... All these teams need... There's not enough quarterbacks to go around. Like, if I'm the Bengals, A.J. McCarron's you're probably going
1: to get a one for A.J.
0: McCarron. You're going to get more than, because these
1: teams can't satisfy their needs. But is that a trade, are we going to start seeing those trades start happening in the league right now? I mean, are there going to be teams that look at an A.J. McCarron or look at a Derek Anderson in Carolina or look at Jimmy Garoppolo and say, hey, we need to we need to get this guy now. We need to make a play now. Well, everybody wants 10.
0: Garoppolo and I don't think they'll trade him, but I mean, it's going to make Alex Smith's market. Look, He's he, right now he's the MVP in the league. His market's going to go through the roof. So there's a lot of give and take here in terms of where it's going to go, but so many teams need quarterbacks and there's really nobody that can fill these needs. And I, and I think that's the biggest problem in the league. We talk about parity in the league. No, the biggest problem in the league is bad quarterbacking and it's led by some of these older guys. I mean, we didn't even talk about Pittsburgh. I mean, Big Ben, if Big Ben was a baseball player,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he would have thrown... In his heyday, he would have thrown a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Now he's throwing about a 90 – no, no, no. The Let's say 88, 89. No, let's say about 84. Okay, oh, okay. Oof. He He can't he can't zip the ball. He can't drive it with his lower Does body. Does he have
1: anything else? Does he have a sinker? Does he have a curve? Nothing? You know, he
0: used to be able to get away with being able to move around the pocket, the loose plays, the scramble plays that Carson Wentz is doing now, that Big Ben used to be. But he can't do that anymore. I mean, he's not really doing that anymore. So – He's not there. He had no offseason. I mean, his offseason workout chart looks like mine at the gym. A lot of days missed, okay? (laughs) A lot of days missed, all right? So it's like, you know, I mean, that was Big Ben. He's playing golf somewhere probably. Who knows? But the point here is when there's so much
1: competition for quarterbacks, where are you going to solve the problem? And where does that problem start? I mean, before we move on, I just want to say, you know, quarterbacks are always – they've always been at a premium and obviously even more so now with the running back, you know, sort of devolving into a position where you can rotate guys in and out. It seems like the spread system in college, a lot of people want to br- blame that, like guys aren't ready to be pro style quarterbacks. But then the NFL game has changed into a more spread system right. with guys in the slot anyway. So, wh- 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 where, where, what's going on? Wh- what's, the, what's the problem with being able to develop guys and get them to the league? Well, because the guys
0: that are in the spread are really just reading, they're reading too. It's really an easy spread offense. So, yeah. it's not like a pro offense where, like last night, if you saw Trubisky play, he was not really comfortable when he had to drop back and play in a, in a drop back game, he needed to be on the move and moving around because he's more comfortable reading high-low. And I think in the, and when you look at the – college game now, guys are staring at receivers. I mean, even on Sunday, when you watch the Ram game, I mean, Earl Thomas was great in that game because really uh, Goff stares down. It's what he's trained to do. He's trained to look at it. They're trying to make him play faster, but it's hard to do. And he doesn't play faster. And I think that's one of the advantages that the Eagles got with Carson Wentz because at North Dakota State, he played under center. He -hmm. had some play. So he was used to doing that. It's a much difficult transition for these guys to get under center and play and the NFL, you got to be under center some to play.
1: You know Goff has the same stare. You remember Mike Singletary back in the day when they'd always saw the shot of him as a linebacker yeah. and he just had that blink stare where he was just staring at the quarterback? Yeah. Goff is the opposite of that. I wish we could do a shot where we have Singletary on one side and Goff on the other side because he has just this blink, dead stare that he just... Like, if, if Cup is running down the field... Goff's just staring at him. He doesn't blink, and he's just like, that's exactly who I'm going to throw the ball yeah, to. Yeah, because
0: he, he's very good at th- – I mean, look, he's very good at a seven-on-seven seven game. Unfortunately, football's fast, and it moves around, and the things get in your way, like the interception. But, the, you know, I'm not picking on Goff here. I'm saying that there's – I mean, Goff is exactly the worst place to be. I mean, do you have a quarterback? Is he your quarterback of the future? All the people at the Rams seem to think so. But based on the list, the Rams wouldn't be a team that needs a quarterback. Right, mm. and half the league almost needs quarterbacks, and the, some of the ones that have quarterbacks, whether it's Andy Dalton or Jared Goff, they really do need one. They just don't. They they can't replace the one they have with someone
1: better. Yeah, and Andy Dalton's basically in the Mets, Mets Shop situation right now, where you're going to keep riding this thing out to eventually it gets so bad that we really do well, have to make you it know that's
0: an interesting thing because if if I'm the Bengals and you really think AJ McCarron's good maybe you could trade Andy Dalton I know where you could trade Andy Dalton Where's that You could trade Andy Dalton to Jay Gruden at the Washington Redskins once they lose Kirk Cousins You lose Kirk Cousins right which they're going to lose they going to they can't give him a 144% increase over next over this year's salary so he's gone right so he'll end up going to San Francisco and reunite with and feel so good with Kyle, which would leave the the Redskins without a quarterback, right? Well, Andy Dalton's sitting there and Jay's coached him. He knows him well. I'm sure the Redhead would be perfect in Washington <laughs> with those helmets. It would be ideal.
1: Maybe they changed the Washington Redheads. That would be perfect. That
0: would make a lot of people happy with that 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 idea. So... So, to me, if if the Bengals really feel good about A.J. McCarron and they think that he's worth something, but they can't get what he's worth because they know he's better than what he is, then maybe the guy to trade is Dalton, and they could get something for Dalton from the Redskins. Because, look, the Redskins are going to be one of the most desperate teams in the quarterback market this offseason. Mm-hmm. And they have so much competition, whether it's the Bills, the Ravens, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Steelers, all these teams, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Bengals, once they make that move. I mean, think about it. And if they could get something substantial for Dalton, they should do
1: it. And we're thinking way into the future here, but if the 49ers do get Cousins, which a lot of people are speculating that he will, then they have a top pick, a one, two, three pick. Oh, yeah. That where there's going to be a quarterback that wants to be taken. There's going to be a lot of teams trying to call all these, to get that All pick. these
0: 11, 12 teams are going to get it. If they get, like, it's a doubleheader win for the 49ers. If they could find a way to get Cousins and not have to pick a quarterback, now you say, well, because anyone they pick, here's the thing that makes it so maddening. No matter who they pick, whether it's you know, Josh Rosen from UCLA, Sam Darnold won't come out, but whomever they might pick, he's going to have deficiency in his game, too. So you're not taking the perfect player. That's what's maddening about the about the Browns. Bill Walsh always said the search for the perfect player never ends. Well, I don't know where the Browns are looking at their analytics because at some point, don't you just have to say, we can live with that. We just got to take them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've actually been doing a little bit of insulting here already, but we're going to do it for real now. Uh, Not for nothing, uh, we got to talk about John Fox and Mitchell Trubisky and the the future of the Bears because we saw it on full display last night on Monday Night Football, and uh, let's just say it didn't look great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what – you know, John has been blessed in his career. He's been a head coach three times in the National Football League, which is remarkable. Not very many guys get three chances, right? He gets fired in Carolina – You know, it goes to Denver, and then Denver basically fires him when they bring in – but he won in Denver because he had Peyton Manning. Mm -hmm. And
1: And Prime – this is Peyton Manning, you know – when they go to 2014, they go to that Super Bowl, right. the it's 2013 just, season. That, Payton, was, that was the top of his career. Yeah, I mean, Denver.
0: 13, you know, when when Peyton's hurt, but he's back, He can then he finds a way to still play. So they win there, and then he goes, and now he's in Chicago, which was an interesting hire because if you're the Chicago Bears and you want to rebuild your franchise, I don't think John Fox is a rebuilder. I think he's a veteran. Like, he's like the guy who in baseball, he needs a veteran team around him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going to play the young, you know, it's going to be hard. But, I mean, look. I think the one thing Bear fans know, and I think most of the National Football League know the Bears are going to have an opening at the end of the year. I mean, John Fox is going to be their coach next year. I think that's pretty clear. And so, you know, they're rebuilding their team this year. And last night's performance, I think, really shows that there's a thing, there's a system and a way to where Trubisky has to be handled, and they better get to it pretty quickly.
1: And let's talk about one situation from last night. There's a fourth and two. Trubisky has the ball and everyone in the, all the Bears fans, this is in Chicago last night. They're all getting excited because John Fox has decided to lead the offense to go for it on fourth and two. And then he runs out the punt team and then he pulls them back off the field. And then it ends up being it ends up being a delay of game penalty that comes out of the whole situation, right. which was you know inexcusable. And I think they
0: called a timeout. They after, called a timeout yes. after the
1: delay. I mean, it was like whoa, this is really bad. And it was sort of a weird thing. Fox is sort of an old school coach. I mean, you uh, knew he wasn't going to you knew he wasn't going to go. He for was it. never going to go. It's for not it. in his
0: DNA to do Absolutely it. Absolutely right?
1: not. But th- this is one of those times where Fox is trying to almost send a message and try to mess with the defense or something like that to mess with Zimmer. It's like an old school coaching trick. He's like laughing on the sideline, but they kept cutting the shot of Trubisky looking at the sideline like, I'm confused why are we not going for this for real why are we you know what what that that's a total disconnect there between a quarterback and a coach and you can just it seems like that's not going to be the future setup for the bears
0: well what you're trying to do there is you're trying to what, what happens is and this is a situation you have to practice what you're trying to do is leave your offense on the field really close to the right around fifteen seconds they sprint off the field and the punt team comes on and so maybe you can catch the vikings trying to put their punt team on the field but once you leave your offense on On the field, most special teams coaches will just call safe. They'll leave the defense out there. Don't make the substitute, and just play
1: safe and let the ball get kicked. And they'll just do a a punt safe zone. They'll just put safety. Will go back deep. Nobody will even touch the
0: ball. They'll go back. It's a but if you can catch them switching, then maybe you can snap it and get 12 12 men men on the field. field. And and that's kind of what the thinking is. But again, it has to be rehearsed. It has to be tightly practiced. And when you watch the Bears, rehearsed and tightly practiced aren't two words that come to mind when you watch them play. Offense, defense, or the kicking
1: game. And it just doesn't seem like they were all together last time. I mean, that Bears— After 10
0: days, I mean, they had a Thursday (laughs) night against Green Bay, and they had that. Look, I, I think the one thing about Trubisky that was clear is he is really athletic. He can throw the ball well on the move. I don't think you can overload Trubisky with a lot of offense. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think Trubisky could come in and run an offense that's going to be – I think you could see why he didn't play right away at North Carolina. It took him mm-hmm. some time. They ran about eight plays last night out of the same format. Different formations, they ran about eight plays. He's going to be a play-action, move-the-pocket guy. He's not going to be comfortable. I mean, the interception they threw that lost the game for him, mm-hmm. he came out of the pocket like that. He's not going to be – that's not who he's going to be. I'm not saying he's not a good player. Not at all. I'm not not judging him after one game. What I'm saying is he needs to be in a – threaten the defense, on the edge, move the pocket, move the launch point, get him on the move where he can be really, really good. He can also – he's going to make mistakes. I mean, look, his touchdown pass should have been an interception. He's going to take some chances, which is a good thing. It's like center fielders in baseball that don't get errors. They're probably not really good center fielders because they're not getting to a lot of balls. So you got to have guys that can make some plays. I think Trubisky. I still don't think he's the best quarterback in the draft class. I still think it's Watson.
1: Yeah, and I will say I covered Mitch when he was at North Carolina. This is before he was Mitchell, and he played. Are behind you allowed Mar- to call him Mitch? Yeah, <laughs> I call him Mitch. I, I don't call him Mitchell. I, I don't know that guy. But uh, Marquise Williams played played ahead of him. So there
0: is somebody you call by their first name. Yes. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> I like that. I like well, the I
1: just Lombardi just feels good. It feels <laughs> like I'm in a football life. Uh, but I would say Mitch was. Uh, a lot of people thought that he was. For whatever reason, people are like, he's the smart guy, you know, Marquise is it, but Marquise ended up was the guy that was actually the really smart guy in the film room and and helped impart a lot of wisdom to Mitch. So Mitch grew, like he grew into his role at North Carolina. A lot of people thought that he just walked in and was ready to play, but that's not who he is. He's, he has the arm strength. He can roll out. He's mobile. We saw on the two-point conversion, I mean, that was a beautiful fake. That, oh, yeah. that is the stuff that he can do because yeah, he's an athlete.
0: And I think you make a great point there. And I think if I'm Ryan Pace, the GM of the Bears, and if I'm the Bears' ownership, I'm saying to them, look, whatever we decide to do with John Fox, that's fine. But whomever is our next head coach, we can't change offenses every five years. So if we hire a defensive guy to be the head coach, he's got to have somebody who's going to install the same offensive system for the next five years. Or if we hire an offensive coach to be the head coach, then we're going to have – because the one thing to make Mitchell Trubisky successful is to keep doing it over and over and over again. And if he gets in one of those situations where – he loses a coordinator, then the next year gets another one, the next year gets another one, the offense starts changing, uh the 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 nomenclature changes within the that's not gonna be good for him. If I just looking at pace, looking at Trubisky, if I'm pace, I need to get this kid in a consistent environment as soon as I possibly can. Does that mean keep Dow Loggins the offense coordinator? Maybe he might be the best fit for him. But you know, the new head coach. Maybe he has to take them because this would be the best thing for the franchise.
1: It's reps and rhythms. And yeah, it, no doubt. Yeah, he's, he's a spread quarterback. He's never played under the center, and that's what a spread system usually is. It has a lot to do with rhythm. He had a great wide receivers coach, Gunnar Brewer at North Carolina, a guy that coached Justin Blackman, Desbrown, all these guys. I mean, he's throwing to spots a lot of times, and guys are going to be on beats where they're going to be, and he's still going to figure it out, but the guy can make the throws.
0: Right, and I, and I think he's going to play a lot on instincts. I think he's going to piss you off and throw some interceptions, but I have a feeling he's going to make some plays too. He's got a little guns. In him, there's no doubt. And, you know, look, do I think Watson's a better player? No question, I do. But this kid's got a lot of talent, and he's just got to be in the right system to really utilize his skill set.
1: And let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, a team that. Going into Philadelphia last weekend, we, we thought, or specifically you thought, that they would be a team that would compete against the Eagles I and maybe make it a compete. close game, and yeah. it wasn't that way at all. Well,
0: yeah, because the Eagles typically have given up a lot of big plays on their, on their defense, and that's where the Cardinals make their living is on big plays on mm-hmm. offense, it, but they can't block anybody. I mean, the Cardinals, other than the New York Giants, might have had one of the worst off seasons. I mean, they left their offensive line a mess. I mean, their two tackles are truly a mess. Now, I know they have DJ Humphreys and they move Vanda here over from left tackle to right. But their offensive line can't protect their aging quarterback. And now they trade for Adrian Peterson. Now, how do you think that's going to work, Tate?
1: I I know he's not David Johnson. I I will say that. And it's also going to lead to one of those things where Adrian Peterson still thinks he's, you know, the AD from 2008, which is I'm a one-dimensional back. I'm running HB off tackle. And here I go.
0: Right. And I mean, they have no running game. They can't block for running game. When, when when Peterson was in Minnesota before he got hurt, he averaged under two yards a carry. And then the backs that came in to replace him actually averaged three. The line was bad. Bad offensive lines don't make the back better. And I don't think Peterson at this point in his career can make a bad offensive line look good. Plus, when he's in the game, every run stunt is going to happen on defense. And besides, this offensive line is going to get attacked by every team they play going down because they can't block anybody. I mean, Philly kicked them. I mean, it was over with in the first half. And if I'm Bruce Arians, you got to sit there, say to yourself, I don't know what we did this offseason. We didn't make our team better. It doesn't appear that we've done anything to make our team better. We lose Calais Campbell, and he was one of our best defensive players. We couldn't really replace him. We've spent this money on other players. I don't know. They need a quarterback badly. They need an offensive line badly. I I, I think it's it's really a, a a tough situation. Peterson had to leave New Orleans. But my Lord, like, what's he going to do there?
1: It is it a make or break trade. So they trade for Peterson. They trade a story pick. Which it's like, is a, like trading for
0: a salami sandwich.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like
0: it's the proverbial salami sandwich. <laughs> I mean, really, seriously. I mean, like, you know, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger. That's kind of what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a wimpy deal. I mean, it's one of those wimpy deals. You just, They're just basically the Saints found somebody to take Peterson off their hands and didn't have to embarrass them and cut them.
1: Well, ten years ago, if you heard that Adrian Peterson got traded and Chris Johnson got cut, that'd be a pretty big news story. Right. But today maybe I mean not look, so much. the
0: Cardinals are collecting great running backs at the end of their career. Emmett Smith and Adrian Peterson. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, maybe they like that. Maybe they're like you. They like to collect jerseys with their things on. I don't know. But to me, like like to me I think you'd be better off taking somebody off the practice squad. I mean, you got to find a younger, you got to find more explosive like if I'm the Giants or the Cardinals, I'm taking guys off everybody's practice squad now. Now I'm going to be dangerous because we need to improve our talent base.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, the Cardinals at this point, they're just trying to edge into the uh, NFL films, well, they actually, Adrian Peterson, a football life. You know, he ends up with the Cardinals, so they get the last few shots. With I mean, them.
0: they kind of actually think that, do they think that they're going to go anywhere? I mean, their defense is good, but look, they can't, they can't block anybody. The quarterback's old. I mean, Drew Stanton gets any, you think it's going to get any better? No, of course not.
1: No, but I do like Drew Stanton.
0: I know you do. That's I why am. I brought him up.
1: <laughs> well, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk about my bookie real quick. If you're watching the games, it's time to start making money. Try to be the Kirk Cousins of your betting pool. My Bookie is the industry-leading website that can fill all your betting needs with their great odds, fast payouts, and decades of expertise. You can bet with confidence. So what are you waiting for? Lay down some cash and win big today. If you know your team sucks, do yourself a favor and bet against them. Uh, sorry, Giants fans. If they lose, you'll make money, and if they win, you'll still be happy. Where you bet is just as important as what you're betting on. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my my word for it, check them out yourself. Join now, and My Bookie will match your deposit with up to 100% bonus. Use promo code Ringer NFL to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Let's talk about a guy that was set up to get paid and uh decided to walk away from the game and that is Oregon State head coach Gary Anderson who uh had 12 million dollars still on the table for him uh up in Oregon State and decided to walk away from the game this weekend before they go to Colorado that's a, is that right? right this weekend they're going to go yeah. to and I mean, uh it kind of shocked the shocked everyone fair, shocked players shocked former coaches everybody fascinating
0: story i mean Gary Gary Anderson was a guy that when when we were in Cleveland and uh he was uh yeah he was the head coach of Wisconsin we talked to him. He thought about maybe perhaps becoming an NFL head coach. He was obviously more suited for the college game. Left Wisconsin, which was a really good job, to go to Oregon State. Oregon State was able to get away. Mike Riley has always been a beloved figure there. They owed Mike Riley a lot of money and they wanted to make a change. They yeah, really and for
1: people, Mike Riley left in 2014 to go to Nebraska. Right.
0: They couldn't make that, they couldn't fire Mike Riley. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they owed him way too much money and Mike wasn't going to walk away from his money. So he took the Nebraska job. Now, You know, Gary comes in and signs this deal, and now Gary walks away, which is fascinating. I mean, Oregon State is always going to be a tough job. There's not enough players in the state of Oregon to make Oregon a great team. There's not enough to make two teams great. And then you're competing with a lot of other teams in the Big Ten. You're going to have to go to Los Angeles. You're going to have to go to Hawaii. You're going to have to go to different places to find players to to get your base it's a challenging job, it really is, and I don't know how Gary I, I don't know what the real story is. I'm going to take him for the word that he walked away from twelve million. But do you know very many people that walk away from twelve million?
1: I know it's a strange account, so ron mcbride, the the legendary coach of Utah all those years, he was uh, you know basically. His protege was Gary Anderson. He'd brought him to a lot of stints, even, you know, at Wisconsin. They had worked together and all this stuff, and he's been coming out. And he said two weeks ago they they had sat down, uh, you know, after a big loss, and they were trying to figure it out, and they were trying to find ways to to figure out this team. And he could tell Anderson was dejected by the losses. But I think sometimes with the, the coaching profession, a lot of people don't understand how much these losses I'll obviously it affects the kids, it affects the fans, but the coaches really take it hard. And, and, and Gary Anderson seems like one of those guys that, it was just too much for him. He yeah. was just tired of taking the losses at Oregon State. And even though they had last year, they finished the season, I think they beat Arizona and maybe even Utah at the end of the season last year, that were big wins. It just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it seems like he just couldn't handle the losses and, and he just had to get away from the game.
0: Look, if you can win in Pullman, no disrespect to Pullman, Washington. You can win in Corvallis. It just takes a unique leader. It takes a unique plan. It takes some some somebody who's going to have some time to do it. And Gary did a solid because he walks away from a lot of money. Now that allows them to be able to afford a coach that can come in there. They need to have their football program to stay in the Pac-12, but they're going to need to get the right guy. And so much of college, I think, is overlooked by this whole recruiting thing. And this is where Leach, I really believe, has an advantage on a lot of college programs. He doesn't get caught up in the stars, five star, four star. Everything about college football is in player development. You got to have a great weight room. You got to work their asses off in the weight room. You got to take those two and three star players and make them better. And you got to hope that you can keep them for four years because you're going to have to grow your program. You just can't, you're not going to out recruit USC. That was the, the funny thing about the USC Washington State game. People were saying, well, you know, Sam Darnold played, you know, with three young linemen. <laughs> Hell, those three young linemen have been the best linemen on Washington State's team ever. Just natural could,
1: ability and, yeah, just and they physical could, size. They could and never all that, recruit yeah.
0: those three linemen at Washington State, they would never go there. They couldn't get them. They'd be top. So you got to develop players. And I think that's the key for the hiring cycle at Washington, at Oregon State is find somebody who can develop some talent like Gary Patterson did at TCU, like Matt Rule did at Temple. I think those are the things you got to do.
1: And we see even, I mean, just the, the response from everyone, is just sort of like Chris Peterson. We saw him at Washington come out and just like, I'm blindsided by this. We had other former coaches at, uh, I think it was even Mike Riley that came out in Nebraska and said that he thought it was a fake report when it was first reported. Yeah, everybody, like, I mean, nobody
0: it, walks away yeah. from 12 million. And I mean, you know, Gary was, I mean, I've spent some time with him. He was a nice man. I mean, but that doesn't mean you walk away from 12 million. I mean, you know, and so that's like, to me, that has everybody's eyes looking and, you know, If you owe you twelve, take two. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to be a nice guy, take six. You know, I mean, a lot of things you could do with six. You know, Uh,
1: no one's offered me that contract. Yeah, well, you'll get that. Don't worry, Tate. Don't worry, Tate Frazier. Uh, Let's talk about. We mentioned some of the five star guys and uh, a school that tends to get a lot of five star guys. Actually, just got the number one quarterback in the country to commit to them. That's the Georgia Bulldogs. They have got the best start uh, in school history since 2005, and that was back when No. Marino was there and Matt Stafford was there, and that was you know a a prime time for them under uh, Mark. Rick, but now Kirby Smart is almost building the Alabama of the SEC East there at Georgia. He gets a lot of five star guys. I'm sure Mac Brown knows all their names and oh all God. their families. It's and all, everybody, it's
0: all Mac knows. That's you know Mac, Mac
1: I, Brown loves five stars. We do know all that he talks
0: about is the player they recruited. He's never going to tell you about what happens on the play. He's never doing that. You could see Mac never went to one coaching meeting ever. I mean, like you know, like, just a CEO, just yeah, pulling yeah, guys in there. Yeah, Look, I got to get me some five stars, man. I'm gonna get me some five stars. You know, I got to go out and get some five stars. Like Mac, you know, like tell us about. What happened on the play? I like when they always ask Mac, like, "How do you break this game down?" It always comes down to recruiting. Well, you know that team had a better recruiting here. You know, well,
1: it comes down to one thing, and that's five-star guys on offense (laughs) and five-star guys on defense.
0: You can do the inverse. I can do Al. (laughs) You can do him really well. But, look, I think Georgia has always been like LSU was sleeping giant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mark Rick did a good job. They just couldn't get over the hump. But Kirby with that Nick Saban program, I think he's kind of got it going. They got some incredible – I mean, Georgia's one of those teams you go to every year. In fact, one year Belichick and I went there – you know it's such an incredible place. We go there. I was just talking to a guy on the phone about it today. So we're in Auburn, and we're gonna work. We worked out a bunch of guys at Auburn. We were gonna stay in at. We were gonna stay in Atlanta, and then go over and work out a bunch, all the Georgia guys. Right, mm-hmm. private workout. So instead of staying in Atlanta, we decided to stay in Athens. But we can't get a hotel room. Finally get one, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on here? Like, wh- why can't we get a hotel room in Athens? It's Athens, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Tate Fraser. I mean, like, how can you get a and it's a beautiful place? Kentucky's playing basketball.
1: So okay. they got all the hotel rooms. They get every hotel For room. people that don't know this, Kentucky travels. like That's like a weekend vacation. They're oh, my like, all God. Going it was like Athens.
0: unbelievable. It was yeah. like unbelievable. So,
1: Poor no, Mark Fox and the Georgia Bulldogs basketball program. I mean, they played their games. asses
0: off that night, too. So Bill and I are at the game. Barkley's at the game. I mean, it was a hell of a thing. I mean, it was unbelievable. Next day, that's where we found David. Next day, we worked out. David Andrews, the starting center on the team. Went through, But Georgia, every year you go there, there's always 12, 13 five-star kids. You're working out, and you're like, why didn't this kid work out? What about this kid? And now Kirby's got it to the point where it's, like, really good. Like, I mean, you can just see how much better they are. And they're in that division over, what do they call it? how they break the southeast, is east and west? Yeah,
1: they're in the east division. They're in the east. Yeah, they so look they're like, on the opposite side with Florida and all those guys. They look
0: like the class of the east. Although Florida, if Florida could ever get a quarterback, yeah. like, it ain't Felipe Frank, I can be honest with you there. If they could ever get a quarterback – There's another five-star recruit that's not a five-star player. Well, let's
1: bring up another one, Jeff Driscoll. I mean, you start going down the line of all these guys that have come through. And even Jacoby Brissett, who they let go to NC State, it was a five-star guy that was playing behind someone, I mean – you just start running through post Tebow, all these five stars that have come through Florida that haven't quite worked out.
0: It's remarkable, but they have running backs like they, they had this this freshman running back they put on the field against uh, LSU. LSU won that game because they missed a field goal. So and the, he played
1: hurt and looked incredible. In that oh my game. god, he
0: was unbelievable. But but look, the the point here is is I said this to you before: the Georgia Florida All Star High School All Star game. If you just draft it off that list, you'll be great. And Georgia. And that's the only thing. Clemson has to be careful because Georgia and Clemson, those three teams, Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama, that, they're going to be fighting for a lot of territory.
1: Yeah, well, they're all right there, and they're all fighting for that same group exactly. of kids. They're all getting to South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and they're all trying to pull the top guys. And for people that don't, there, I think a lot of people try to pull up guys from Georgia, and you automatically think to certain guys. But I mean, look at Leonard Floyd last night, all right, in the Chicago school. Bears. I mean, the guy looks... Incredible, And as they a got, another kid, like a they got another
0: kid on the team this year that when I was when the year that I was there when we worked out David Andrews, he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I forget his name. He's I think he wore like number one, you know, as a single digit. He looked like Leonard Floyd's twin. I mean, he'll be a high draft pick, you know, and so it's, they always have players and you have to be very careful when you go there because in the past, sometimes they didn't always play to the level. I think now they're playing to the level.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's good for Kirby. I'm happy for Kirby. I am
0: too. I mean, it's always good to have good players. It's good to have good, I mean, Alabama needs a little competition.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially in the East and we'll get an SEC title game, championship game. Finally, that's worth something, hopefully. Uh, Have you
0: ever gone between the hedges there?
1: Yes. i a lot of people don't know this. I, I was going to Georgia uh, before I went to North Carolina. I, I wanted to be Dominique Wilkins. I was like, you know, I wanted to be from North Carolina. Sure. I wanted to go to Georgia. That was like my uh, my big thing. But then uh, got a scholarship, you know, I ended up going to North Carolina. Do My re- parents were very happy. They were going to be very upset if I went to Georgia. But really, I decided I was going to Georgia. Uh, went to visit Athens, fell in love with it. It's basically Chapel Hill and steroids. I mean, I went to the north campus of Georgia, and I thought that was the full campus. And I was, you know, happy go lucky. I was like, "This is the most beautiful place." They're like, "No, no, no! You got you got to go see the rest of the campus." I had to get on a bus, go to South Campus, see how huge it was, and. I fell in love. But, it, is um, an, it
0: is a magical place. It absolutely. really is. I
1: would, if I was a football player, I would have committed to Georgia. That's for sure. Uh,
0: I think Georgia, I mean, Florida, Georgia, all those. I mean, those are those are like special places. Absolutely. It's fun, kind of fun.
1: You can feel it. Uh, uh, you can. Do you have a story from Al Davis for this week, or are we just going to leave the people hanging? It's all right.
0: Uh, you know, I don't know if I have one off the top of my head. I mean, there's always so many Al Davis stories. You could tell them all day long. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating that, you know, uh, have I shared the Jeopardy story? No. Okay. Well, you know, when you work for Al Davis, you, he would always call you at 1030 in the morning Mm -hmm. and he would always have three things for you. Never two, never four, always three. Like he never had more than 11 friends, you know, like he always had that. And those three things would be something he would ask you about. And he would say, "Uh, I, I, I got three things for you. And then he would say, you know, that young man, uh, uh, um, uh, from, uh, you mean Tate Fraser from North? Yeah, that's right. So I always called it Jeopardy because it was like I had to ask the question and then answer the question. Okay, mm-hmm. who is Tate Fraser? Mm-hmm. And then I, of course, I had to tell him, oh, he's 6040, 280. You know, he runs a 5140, His hands are nine and a half. He was obsessed with hand size and arm length. So you would always do that. But he always had three things that he wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. If I said to him, what do you think about that LeBron James guy from Cleveland? He was saying, oh, "That's not why I called you." And click, hang up the phone. <laughs> I never played a home game. I, need I was to start always, doing that. I, that's what you should do. I never played a home game. I always was on the road with without. I always I always played road games. I was in always in my dress grace. Never got to wear the pinstripes. Never always on the road. But you know, like I could ask him questions about women's basketball. Mm. I, like I would say, "Did you see We're the U- college college women's?" Mm. Ba- loved it, Gino. But, Loved it. Loved UConn. Head summit. Yeah. Loved UConn. Loved the Spurs because mm. they wore the Raiders covers. He loved the NBA too. Don't get me wrong. Like, and the good thing I think about it, Al would be very good right now in this time in this political climate about what's going on in football. I think he would have a really smart take on it. He was able to see some things from a different level. I think it would be really good.
1: All right, Lombardi. This has been another edition of GM Street on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thank you for listening.